morning, church. Good morning at home. Glad to be here. I took a little time off last Sunday, and I, I, I was telling my wife as we were watching on TV, I said, no, no, I can't, I can't stay away from church. I want to be here. But we're all called to spend some time and, and reflect and hear God's word as well. So really happy to be here again. Missed you guys. You know, about two years ago, my wife and I and my youngest son went to drop off our eldest, Aaron, at College Station, A&M, go Aggies. <laughs> and we were told by friends who have gone through this experience that it was going to be hard. And sure enough, oh, man, everybody, I mean, everybody in the car, the three of us, after we dropped off my oldest, on the way home, just <laughs> bawling. <laughs> we didn't want to eat. I mean, it was just bad. And we got home. And it just felt weird. I didn't want to go into his room. But as the weeks went by, I kind of got used to it. His room became a gym. (laughs) But we still stay connected. I mean, we have a tradition now that every Sunday we FaceTime him, my wife and I, and sometimes my my youngest as well. And we have that. But once in a while, if we're honest, he gets busy and I get busy and my wife gets busy and we forget. And my wife reminds me, hey, we haven't connected with Aaron. And sometimes I say, who? Aaron, you're old. Oh, yeah. I tend to disconnect. I forget. Why? Because he's apart from us. But when we do connect, when we purposely want to connect via FaceTime, I always ask them or have the same outline in our conversation. How are you doing? How's school? How's your personal life? And the mom is always, how are you eating? He's eating fine. But the very end, and I do this purposely, I say, how's church? Ah, dad, it's been really busy and I forget and I wake up late. I said, son, we chose a church for you, Grace Bible Church in College Station. You can watch online. I know excuses, excuses. My biggest concern for my young man is his spiritual growth. And while he was here with us, we come to church and grow together. He was participating in the high school ministry and so on and so forth. But now that he's disconnected, now that he has no one to hold him accountable, it's getting very difficult for him to be connected. And what we're going to see today is just that. And it's interesting that we're living in a season of so much disconnect. You guys know what I'm talking about? Aren't you longing to be together with your friends, with your family? There's been years maybe for some of you that haven't seen a loved one. Not because you don't want to, but because COVID is preventing us from doing so. We're not called to be in relationship via a computer, a phone. We're called to be in relationship face to face. God created us to be in relationship, but we're living in a season that because we're disconnected from loved ones, our relationship tend to drift, natural, but more importantly, because we're disconnected and not communing together face to face, our faith seems to disconnect. And the author of Hebrews warns us about that. Don't let your faith drift. He's concerned. And what we're going to see today as we open up to chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians is that the Apostle Paul, as a pastor, was concerned for the church in Thessalonica because they too had been disconnected. He had been torn apart from his church family. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off, and we're in the middle of a series on this 
awesome epistle, this letter of 1 Thessalonians. And let me give you just a recap of where we're at. Chapter 1 kind of opens up, and, and Paul is just encouraging this church, this early church. And probably this was one of the first church plans that Paul had. Probably on the second mission trip, he took this guy Silvus and Timothy with him, and they planted this church. And he was probably there for maybe a month or so, but the church really took fire. The power of the gospel, as we read earlier in this book, had transformed this young church's life. And everybody was taking notice. And what Paul says, you guys are imitating us. And now other churches around the region, around the world, want to imitate you. You are truly being disciple makers. And he's so encouraged because of their love, their faith, and more importantly, their hope. And that is the theme of this book. But then we read last week that Paul was separated from this church. And during the separation, the Jewish people, early non-Christians, were attacking the church. They were being persecuted. And they made up all these excuses that Paul abandoned you. He never really loved you, church. Where is he now? He was leading you in the wrong direction for self-gain. And Paul defends himself all in chapter 2. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to see how Paul now says the truth that he longs to be with his church. So verse 1 of chapter 3 says this, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer. Now, I always remind you, church, whenever you see that word, therefore, you got to ask yourselves, what is it there for? And it's always coming back to a previous topic, either the verse before or the chapter before or the verses before. In this case, therefore is therefore to finish a statement that Paul started in chapter 2, precisely in verse 17. So let's recap on that quickly so we can expand on it. Verse 17 of chapter 2, Paul says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, And I love this, in person, not in heart. Physically, we're not together, but our hearts are still joined together, was what Paul is saying. We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And here's where he's going to expand on chapter 3, the desiring, the longing to be together first, face to face. So let's go back to verse 1, chapter 3. Therefore, because I've been torn away from you, church, When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. And for two things, check this out, to establish and to exhort you in your faith. It's neat to see how this young rookie disciple Timothy, you know the story of Timothy, Paul discipled Timothy and as a young man, and he's grown beyond his means. And, and Paul says, I'm sending you Timothy. I could have chosen someone older. I could have chosen someone more experienced, but I'm sending you Timothy, a co-worker, not a co-worker with me. He says, a co-worker of God's work. Just a little reminder that we're all qualified when we're doing God's work. Don't let your youth, your inexperience, not lead you to disciple someone. Pour into that someone whatever's been pouring into you, whether it be a little bit or an abundance. 
But he says, I'm sending Timothy for two reasons. First of all is to establish, to make strong is what he's saying. And the second thing is to exhort, to encourage, to be a cheerleader. But specifically, he says, to do these two things about your faith. Paul is saying, I am concerned about your faith. And that's why I'm sending Timothy. Verse 3, he says that no one be moved by these afflictions. As I mentioned, the early church was being persecuted and going through a whole bunch of suffering. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. The church, his body, is destined for afflictions. For we, when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, because of your afflictions, because you're going through trials, because we're all, as Christians, are going to suffer, when I could bear it no longer, Paul says, I sent Timothy to learn about what? Your faith. Why? For the fear that someone, somehow the tempter, he's talking about Satan, had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul again is saying, I am concerned about your faith. I'm concerned because I know how the enemy works. And you're going through suffering. And I told you when I was with you, you're going to suffer. This shouldn't be new. I told you beforehand, everybody's going to suffer. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to suffer. But I know, I know, Paul is saying, I know that when we're isolated, I know that when you're going through these afflictions and we're not holding each other accountable and coming next to each other, the enemy will definitely attack. And the enemy has always attacked since the very beginning. But Paul is concerned about two ways the enemy still attacks today. Let me go back to Genesis chapter 3 when we hear of the serpent coming in and bringing sin into the world. And this is what God writes about the serpent. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Crafty, deceitful, knows when, knows how. Hasn't changed. Not one bit. And here again, I think Paul is concerned about two specific reasons of the season they're going and how the tempter, Satan, is attacking them just like Satan attacks us now, his Jesus Christ church. The first thing is when we're isolated, when we're alone, the enemy will attack. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you guys ever seen the National Geographic, or I don't know what shows they have now, where they have a herd of, of deer, antelope, and as long as they're together and the lion is attacking them, they're together, the, the lion can prowl. What does the enemy do in our lives? The same thing, because like a lion in this life, the lion waits till that little young one, weaker one, is isolated, is alone, and then it prowls. The same way, the enemy knows as long as they're connected to the church, I'll get to them somehow, but it's easier 
when they drift away. When they're alone, they're weaker. Again, nothing new. Read your Bible. See, in the very beginning, Eve was alone in the garden, wasn't she? And the enemy said, you can eat from it. You won't surely die. God doesn't want you to eat from it because you're going to become like him. And we know the story. Eve took the fruit, gave it to her husband. Now, I know what you guys are thinking right now. Yeah, it's my wife's fault. No, <laughs> that's not true. If the man was manning up and standing next to his wife as a spiritual leader, she would have said, no, no wife. Let's go, let's go to God's word. So it's our fault, man. We should have been responsible. Side note. David, you know how he fell into temptation, right? He was supposed to be out with other kings fighting the battle. But no, he was alone. And what happened? Wow, there's a girl. What a coincidence. And the enemy, you're the king. You can take anyone you want. Falls. Are you tracking? Jesus we read in the Gospels, led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, fasted. He's weak. He's alone. You know the story? The enemy comes and tempts him three times. Unlike all the other characters we read in the Bible, Jesus did not fall into temptation. And how did he defend himself? With the word of God. The enemy hasn't changed. The enemy will still attack, especially when we're disconnected, when we're isolated, when we're alone. The second way that Paul's concerned, the second way the enemy still consistently, consistently attacks is through our suffering, isn't it? When we're going through suffering, we start questioning, God, if you really love me, why am I suffering? Why am I going through this illness? Why am I going through this financial crisis? You said I was chosen. You said I was your son. I was your daughter. Where are you? Doubts. And then you start doubting yourself. Well, the Bible says I'm chosen. I am adopted. Am I really chosen and adopted? Because I'm suffering. And we start pushing God away because we're going through suffering. But the truth is, just like Paul just mentioned, we are destined to suffer. If you call yourself a Christian, you will suffer. It's like what Paul was saying. Don't be surprised. Don't let the enemy come into your head with all these questions and doubts. You know you're a Christian because you're suffering. I love what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He says, in fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will suffer. You will have tribulation. You will have COVID. You will have disease. And I can go on and on and on. But take heart. But take heart. I have overcome the world is what Jesus says. He is concerned, Paul is, he's longing for their church. And he's saying, I don't want your faith to waver. I want to see you face to face. Church, as I was preparing for this sermon, man, it hit home. I miss you. I miss you. I am called to shepherd 
the flock, his flock, and I feel I can't shepherd you properly apart in distance. I'm going to be held responsible. Hebrews again tells me I'm going to be held responsible for the leading of his church. And I try everything. We as ministers, as leaders, try anything. Daily prayers. Join a small group. Connect, connect, connect. I feel what Paul is feeling. A concerned pastor. Concerned about your faith. And I know it's not up to me. I know that church. I just miss you. I want things to be back. At least when we came together on Sunday, I get to ask you, how you doing? I get to see your face. Now I got to see your face with masks. (laughs) Some of you, it's a compliment. (laughs) But I felt, I feel Paul's pain. And I hope you do too. But then verse 6. Verse 6, you see a change in Paul's demeanor. You see how... Timothy comes back, and this is the news that Paul gets. Verse 6, but now that Timothy has come back to us from you and has brought us the good news of your three things he's going to say, your faith, of course, and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly. And here's the third thing, and you too long to see us as we long to see you. For these reasons, because of these great news that I just heard, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. When Paul came back, I mean, Timothy came back to Paul and says, I got good news. They long to be with us. Their faith is firm. They're growing in hope. Paul says, that brought back life to me, even in my afflictions, even in my suffering. As a matter of fact, that word good news in Greek is pronounced evangelizo. Evangelizo. No other time in the New Testament is this word evangelizo used apart from the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses this word to really exclaim, this is great news. That your firm faith is still there. Standing firm. One more Greek word. Stecho. Stecho. Standing firm. What does it mean that no matter what, they are not moving? Picture a palm tree. Have you guys ever seen a palm tree in a storm during a hurricane? Man, that tree is just almost tilting over. The wind is hitting it, but it never falls. Why? Because the roots are going way down deep, not outward. Every other tree, usually the roots go outward, so it tumbles over. He's saying, you were standing firm, you were steckled like a palm tree. You're planted in your faith, standing firm in Christ, and no matter the afflictions, no matter the struggles, not even the tempter, he says, can push you over. And that's why he is just so joyful. He is so glad. He brings brings back life to him because he too was suffering. And when he hears these things from Timothy... He celebrates. Look what he says in verse 8. For now we live. If you are standing first in the Lord, that is all I need to know. That you're connected to Christ. He goes on in verse 9 and says this. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake, 
before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul still longs for that and he prays earnestly, purposefully to see each other face to face. And he says, I need to get back to you because there's still things lacking. You still need to be discipled. We're not done yet. Discipleship is an ever going duty that I, Paul says, as a pastor have. And so he's going to talk a little bit about what those things that they were lacking in their faith are in next chapter four and five. You don't want to miss it. But for now, he's just celebrating the fact that their faith is firm. And one day as he's praying, they will see each other face to face. But look, he finishes with three specific prayer requests. Verse 11, says this, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. He's saying, let God clear the way. Longing to see you face to face. That's what he's praying for, to see each other. The second thing that he prays for is that they will grow more and more in their love for each other. But not only within the church, that that love just goes out, outside of the church and they love on everybody else. So again, people could say, wow, how can they love each other so much and how can they love us? How can they be such great Christ followers? That's what Paul is praying for. Look what he says, verse 12. And may the Lord, the Lord again, saying it's his power, make you increase in abundant love for one another and for all as we do for you. And then lastly, he prays that the Holy Spirit Spirit establishes their heart that they're blameless before God. Verse 13, so that he, the Holy Spirit, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. And that the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. That your hope doesn't stop. That you are sanctified daily. Because you know where our hope lies, not in this earth, but in what's to come. One day all the saints from the very beginning... And to the very end, we'll gather up together and meet them and see Christ face to face. Jesus longs for that, just like Paul longed for his church to see each other face to face. Jesus knows and knew what it was like to be disconnected. Think about that. As he was on the cross, And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, for a brief moment, he was disconnected from the Father, something he would never have felt or ever will feel again. The disconnection, the only time in all the gospel that he doesn't call God his Father. He calls him, my God, my God. Why? Why have we been disconnected? We know why. Through his disconnection. We can be connected forever, forever with God. Here's the point I want for you guys to take today, and hopefully you remember this. And here's what I feel Paul is telling you and me through the Holy Spirit is this. is My faith is affected when I am disconnected. It is, church. You can say to yourself, no, I watch on TV on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and I read my Bible. All good. All really good. But there's a difference when we come together 
Christianity is not to be solo. Christianity is to be face to face. I get it. It's a season. We need to protect ourselves. But my heart is that once the season is over, you long, you long like that church to come back. That we, that we can see each other face to face. My prayer is just like Paul's prayer. The longing to see each other face to face. That our love for each other, even though we're not together physically, we're together in hearts, grow for each other. And it steps outside these walls and people say, I want that. That's what Paul was praying for. And that our hearts are changed. That we're blameless before the Lord. Anticipating that day when he returns. Let me close with this. Uh, I want to hear from you. The pastors of this church who shepherd God's Christ church want to hear from you. The ministry leaders want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. So here's what I want you to do. Even if you're here physically, I want you to do this. At home, please do this. Take your phones out. Everybody, take your phones And will you text, connect, at grace. Doesn't that be capital letters? Connect at grace at 94000. I want to know where you're at. We are longing to hear from you. Where is your faith? Are you standing firm? Is the enemy getting to you through your struggles, through your disconnect, through your temptations? Text that to us. You'll get a response. Respond back, and then you get another respond. Now, I know a lot of us aren't going to watch till later on or maybe not watch at all. If you know someone who hasn't been watching or has been disconnected, will you tell them to text us, to connect? We're home. We're a family. And like you long to be with your physical family, we want to long as, to be together as our spiritual family, Grace Bible Church. Can't wait again to see you guys. Can't wait to see the response that we get of a church of a thousand souls. God never disappoints. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your message is always relevant to every season since the beginning of time. Your truth and your word will never end. And Father, I pray through this time of just being separated, that the enemy is going to use these times as these to come into our heads, to isolate us. I pray that the reverse goes on that, that we're more unified than ever, that our faith is stecco, standing firm, that we are like palm trees standing in the cornerstone of your son, that no matter what comes, We will not fall. Father, I pray that one day, I know we will, be reunited. Until that day comes, Father, let our hearts just long for you more and more each day for the day that we'll see you face to face. Let our eyes just be focused on your son, Jesus Christ. That is my prayer. As a pastor of this church, you know my heart.
I love this church. I love the people of this church. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Miss you guys. Love you.